Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is Amy, and together with my husband, Johnny, we lead the church here in Nottingham, England. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. And if we can help you in any way at all, feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. In 2008, Amy and I moved to California, and we went with a series of hopes, one of which of mine was to improve my golf game. But I had another one, um, which was actually equally unfulfilled, I should say, and that was to learn to surf. And you know, uh, I tried it once. I went down the ocean with my friend Isaac, you know, really early in the morning, and I spent probably 30 to 45 minutes on the ocean. And in that period of time, I, I didn't master it. I didn't catch a single wave. I just floated on the surface of the Pacific. And it was a, a fairly sort of comfortable and, you know, pleasant experience. But there was no wave catching. There was no surfing going on. And after a little while of sort of failure, false starts, I just clambered out of the ocean, sat and watched Isaac surfing effortlessly and said to him when he got out of the water eventually, I could do this in the bath. <laughs> I'm not really learning anything. Now clearly, the thing I'd forgotten is that in order to become an expert anything, you have to stick at it. You have to learn to wait. It takes 10,000 hours of waiting and working and practice to get good at anything. You know, it's the, it's the same in the spiritual life. Everyone who's ever been a recipient of a promise from God has had to wait for the consummation, for the fulfillment of that promise. Think about, if you will, Abraham, who had to wait 25 years for the promise of a son to be fulfilled. Think about Joseph, who had to wait 13 years from receiving the dream to becoming the recipient of the promise. Think about Moses, who, who had to wait 40 years wandering around in the wilderness to even see the promised land, and even then he didn't pass into it. Think of Israel, the nation, uh, being given these promises of, of Messiah, having to wait 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament for Jesus to burst onto the scene. And think of Jesus himself waiting 30 years even to begin his ministry, and then a relatively short period of active ministry. We don't like waiting, whether it's shopping, whether it's dating. Our, our world is not structured to support lives of waiting. And actually, it's the same for us in the spiritual life as well. But God does profound things in seasons of waiting. In seasons of wilderness, God does things that he can't do any other way. And we as a church have been in a season where we've been looking to the wilderness. We've been saying, God, you are in the wilderness with us, leading us by your spirit. And we know in this time you're consecrating us in a new way. And for us, that has looked like waiting. 
You know, for Amy and I personally, we've been waiting. You have too. We've been waiting for an instruction from the government to be able to leave our houses. <laughs> Who thought at the beginning of all, uh, at the beginning of 2020, that that would be the sum total of our waiting? And just this last week, Boris has told us that we're able to leave the house, even to be in our gardens with groups of six. And Amy and I were high fiving and celebrating until we realised we and our family are a group of six. So all this means is we can go into our back garden and enjoy a barbecue together. But if we're going to learn to take hold of the promises, and today as we look at Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit together, we have to learn to navigate times of consecration and times of waiting well. That's what we've been talking about. But today I want to speak about what it looks like to walk into the promise And to wait expectantly, knowing that the promise is just around the corner. And the disciples are in that season at the beginning of the book of Acts. Jesus has been raised bodily and he's appeared to different ones at different times, uh, repurposing lives. He's drawn them back to himself. And here at the beginning of Acts, this has been read to us. He gathers them, he eats with them and he commands them, don't leave Jerusalem. I have a gift that I'm going to send you. And then he says, look, and there's a mission that you are going to receive. And this promise is given to them. And then, surprisingly, at least for them, he ascends to heaven. Now, I sold you short a bit last week. We didn't talk about the ascension. If you want to catch up on anything on the ascension, just look at our midweek prayer gathering. We spoke and prayed around the ascension a little bit. But Jesus goes to be with the Father. He enters into heaven, the control room. And he's at the right hand of the Father now, ruling and reigning and interceding for us. And the disciples are left in lockdown. They, as we read the text, what we see is that they're plunged into a season of lockdown. They have to wait. They wait for 10 days. But in the midst of that 10 days, God is doing almost like, it's almost like finishing school for them. They're being consecrated. This is, God is doing the final touches. And there are a few themes and patterns we see there. Verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There is a gathering movement of prayer happening in this sacred lockdown space. Isn't that what God's been doing in these days? Isn't that what we began 2020 saying the Holy Spirit wanted to go after? Church, we've been trying to show you this. We've been trying to say this is the moment to get prayer sorted. This is why we're doing prayer in hubs, prayer the prayer course. This is why our whole website's been repurposed around prayer. Have you got the message? Have you stepped into a new pattern and life of prayer? If you haven't, you've not been listening. Now's the time. This is about developing patterns of constant prayer. This is what the disciples do. We also see a restored community. And for them, and we read this between verses 15 and 26 of chapter 1. Their community has been shattered. Judas has been taken from them. And they say, look, we need to fill our community. We need to be restored to the twelve. This is deeply symbolic for them. It means that there's a, uh, it, it's a restoration of the mission to the whole of Israel and indeed beyond. But it's also, I think, uh, something of wanting to see this broken and divided community, broken by betrayal, restored. Hasn't God been doing that in these days? 
How many of you have testified that over the fence, the front or the back uh, door, or maybe with neighbours in your flat or your apartment block, that you have seen restored community? How many conversations you've had with maybe Christians in the city, maybe people who aren't Christians, maybe within our church, maybe people beyond our church that you hadn't had before, that you've been putting off? Have you sensed a rising up of a sense of neighborliness? We're seeing church, networks of neighborliness established across our city. This, listen to me, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. If you're not on board with it, get on board with it now because it precedes the consummation. It precedes the awakening. We have to become awake to one another before he will awaken us to himself in a fresh way. This is about restored community. And finally, we see holy unity in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. Now, again, this is just a practical observation. But I think it's also a deep spiritual truth that the consecration that God does before he pours out his spirit is one where his church, uh, his disciples together say, look, we don't care who's going to get the glory. We don't care whose name is in lights. We want his name to be in lights. And we're all willing to submit ourselves to that purpose. And church, we're seeing a greater move of unity now than I remember. And honestly, uh, the church for too long has allowed herself to be fractured among parochial lines. We've said to one another, this is my patch, that's your patch. And any such division is anathema. Any such division is a contradiction to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does not respect Boundaries that humans put in place. The Holy Spirit wants to pour pour himself out on all flesh. This is not a moment to be thinking about whose church is supposed to be operating in which space. This is a moment to say, God, we're looking to you and we don't care who gets the credit. May your glory be manifest in these days. And we've seen this greater movement of unity. Think of the UK blessing. You know, the UK, you can see now Canada's version, Malaysia's version. And before the UK blessing, there were other versions. What a profound moment of unity. And what are we seeing? We're seeing that that moment of unity is blessing uh, the nation. The, the whole country is being blessed by it as they watch it. What about love your neighbor? This isn't just happening in our city. It's happening all over the nation. Increasingly, even other centers in our city are now taking on this mandate uh, to love their neighbor. This is a work God is doing. God, by his sovereign plan, is choosing to constrain the disciples so that they would work on these final pieces of consecration because a moment is coming when he's going to pour out his spirit. And then, bam! Bam! And that is the original Greek. Bam! (laughs) It's not really. Bam! The Holy Spirit comes upon them. This is what we read. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separate and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Three manifestations, a sound, a sight, a filling, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. It perhaps speaks of power. 
We don't know. We're not told exactly, but often, uh, it wasn't a wind, by the way, it was a sound of a wind. The wind in the scriptures, you see this in Genesis, you see this in the Exodus. It, it often refers to moments where God acts mightily among his people. Moments of creation or new creation. Again, Genesis 1. Exodus, the God blowing the sea back so his people can cross through. The moments of deliverance or new activity of God accompanied by wind. Then we see the, the sight of fire resting on the people. This has to do with purification and new empowerment. Jesus promised, didn't he, that he would baptize his disciples in the Holy Spirit. Right at the beginning of the gospel story, we see John saying that one is coming after him who won't just baptize with water, but who baptize with fire. Here is the moment, the power of God, the purification from the Spirit coming upon the people of God. These both are internal signs that are happening in the room. But then there's a third sign, which is received internally, but which was poured out externally. And it has to do with a filling of the Holy Spirit. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. How did they know? How did they know they were filled? Well, they knew because there were tongues, but surely they felt a difference within them. They felt themselves to be filled. I imagine it that afterwards they were saying, hey, before the tongues thing, what happened for you? Oh, well, I tell you what, I felt myself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt God doing something. I, that same thing that we experienced when Jesus was with us, you know, when we walked with him in Galilee and, and, and into Jerusalem, that same feeling of intimacy with him that we shared when he was here, didn't you feel it again? Could you feel him with us? Just like when he was here, I felt him. He was close. It was a filling. You know, I was on a, a call, a Zoom call this week, and, and Nicky Gumbel was sharing about his Alpha group and how they're seeing over Zoom just wonderful things taking place in their Alpha groups. And they did the Alpha weekend away, except they did it over a day. In fact, they did it over two and a half hours. And as they, for the first time ever, stepped into that moment of praying uh, for people to receive the Holy Spirit, what they saw was that every person who asked the Holy Spirit was filled in a profound way. Uh, many, mo most of the group responded uh, <clears throat> to give their lives to Christ in salvation. And even digitally, the Holy Spirit was filling people. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. One person said, you know, I knew it had to be God. This is just last week. I knew it had to be God because I was in my own house. And I know things like this don't happen in my own house. It had to be him. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you recognize yourself to have been filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, you can be. The Holy Spirit is the gift promised to every follower of Jesus. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask. Devote your life to Jesus. Give him your life. Ask him to fill you. If you have been filled, but it's been a while, I believe, we believe that the Holy Spirit is given again and again and again and again and again to disciples of Jesus. Ask for him to fill you. Now, this particular filling leads to an explosion of praise. I love what we see. The remark that the people surrounding say is, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues? In other words, 
these guys are Galileans. They don't speak many languages down there in that there Galilee. How is it they're speaking to us in our own language? And what they're speaking is praise. What is remarkable, literally, what causes the people to remark is the fact that God is being praised in, in their own language. Now, they may have all been able to speak Greek. This is God showing off. This is God showing off through these disciples. This is a movement of praise, which begins in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These signs are for the disciples and they're also for the surrounding people. And out of this, we see something happen in the lives of these disciples. And it's manifest most obviously in Peter, but it's happening more broadly. And I want to describe it uh, using just two words. And the first is clarity. Whereas before the disciples, even as uh, recently as chapter 1, in verse 6, they ask of Acts, they say, Lord, at this, t- at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That they're still locked in a paradigm that God's not working in anymore. You know, God, God's kingdom, they still think God's kingdom is going to come in a certain way. They're still operating in that. They haven't seen yet the fullness of what Jesus has, of what God's plan is. And here, finally, because of the ascension and the pouring of the Holy Spirit out upon them, they have clarity on what it all means. The whole story stretched out before, having to do with the life of Jesus, his, his walking with them, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and now the outpouring. It begins in this moment to make sense to them. They have clarity. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Clarity comes. Secondly, they have courage. Not just an understanding, but the unction of the Holy Spirit, the ability to do what he wants them to do. And Peter steps out courageously. The man who, as we know, was fearful of others, loses his fear of man and steps out and preaches the gospel. 3,000 people are saved on that very day. Don't you want that fruit in your life? Don't you want clarity? Don't you want courage? Church, a day is coming. A day is coming of greater clarity. Even now, for some of you, it's coming today. A day of courage is coming. We are being consecrated. We have been consecrated. What I'm here to tell you, it wasn't just so that we could work out some of our stuff before God. So that he could be more pleased with our internal world. So that we could overcome Ah, secret sins. It was for that purpose. But don't you know it was for the world? It was because we are to be sent. And a moment is coming where he is going to send us in a greater measure. And are you ready to be filled with his power so that you might be sent in his power to proclaim the gospel? And if you haven't come for that, you're here for the wrong thing. Because that's what the book says we're all going to do. That's what the power is for. The power isn't so we could all float around in a room and feel great about ourselves. The power isn't just to overcome our own internal struggles, though it is. The reason we're to overcome our own internal struggles is so we can be useful to the world that's never heard of him. Who doesn't know there's a God who saves, who pours out his power. It is time now to make ourselves available for the coming of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord to shine around us. For the Spirit of God to be poured out. This is what the consecration was for. 
The consecration was for the consummation. Church, this is what I want you to hear today. We have been in a wilderness, a wilderness of waiting. And the wilderness has been a wilderness where we have been led by the Spirit. We have been with the Spirit all along. He's been leading and guiding us all the way. We have been in a moment of consecration, of limitation, of lockdown. But what if? What if? What if God's church, Trinity Church, and churches across this land and churches across the countries that make up uh, this world, what if small groups of people constrained in rooms are about to be empowered and are about to explode in the power of God with a message to share, with clarity, with humility, but with great courage and great boldness? What if the promised Holy Spirit is about to be poured out again in our time. Are you ready? Are you waiting? You see, when anyone who surfs knows this, that there are two kinds of waiting. There's passive waiting. You can be on your board on the ocean and yet not eagerly looking out for the set of waves to come in. Or you can be poised. Ready to kick. Ready for when the wave comes. Everybody knows you can't make the wave come. But you can be eagerly expecting the wave. My story was that I came to, I, I would say I, I came to faith. I, I, never, I don't remember ever not believing in Jesus. But my faith was activated in a profound way in the early 1990s when I was probably around 10, let's say. And that's when my faith first blossomed. And it was in a, a time, uh, a wave, a powerful wave, a set of waves was coming across the earth. And, and that was the normal I grew up with. I, I, I just grew to expect manifestations of the power of God. And it, it ruined me, honestly, for anything else. And what I've experienced ever since then has been, honestly, vaguely disappointing. And ever since then... Uh, Probably for the last 20, 20 to 25 years, I've been praying on and off, but consistently for a movement of the Holy Spirit like it. Honestly, for myself and for others. I am so hungry for that. I, it is my greatest unanswered prayer. It is the fly in the ointment. It is the thorn in my flesh. It is the thing that causes me to limp. It is the thing that causes me all my greatest theological questions and wrestles. God, why aren't you? Why haven't you poured out your spirit? Why haven't I seen the measure of your activity that I know you, have, you want to do? Why, why, why? I, I want somehow you to catch this morning the hunger that I have for the Holy Spirit. I want you, I want to activate in you, I want to impart in you a similar, even a greater hunger for you to have the Holy Spirit in your life. Church, the Christian life was never meant to be lived without the indwelling, the constant filling and refilling of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. Many of you have grown bored of church because you've seen it done without the manifest presence of God. Let me tell you this, it's worse than boring without God. There is nothing worse than being a part of a church without the presence of God in the midst. It just becomes the driest and worst of social clubs. I'd rather be playing golf. 
I'd rather be doing almost anything else. But if God is in the midst, then there's nothing else like it. And I want to speak this morning to three groups of people. The first is a group of people and you've never been filled. never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know why. Maybe you've, you're not yet a disciple of Jesus or you've just become a disciple of Jesus in the last weeks. Or you just didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. You were never taught. You were never told. And today, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. I'm praying even now. God would anoint you. God would rend the heavens and come down and touch you. You might think it's weird that I'm crying. I think it's weird. I don't plan to. I don't expect it. But I think it's the Holy Spirit saying that, to me at least, this is real. This is what he wants. This is his desire. This is his hope. This is his prayer. This is his dream. And if it takes me looking like a fool for you to be open to the Spirit of God in your life, then I will look like a fool. Be filled now with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Those who've never tasted and seen, be filled. The second group is those who have been turned off because you've seen the Spirit of God, the things of the Spirit stewarded unwisely. Or even manipulatively or coercively. And you've said, I don't want anything to do with that. And the Holy Spirit today wants to minister to you healing. But also, he wants you to turn back to him. And you have to drop your disappointment. This is a strong word to you, but you have to get over. You have to get past that. You must move it. You must not let the misuse that you've seen stop you from walking into your inheritance. Because it's not just about you. It's about those around you who've never heard, who've never tasted. And God wants to fill you and heal you today. And the final group is those who've grown cold, disappointed in the waiting. You've become sick of waiting. Sometimes the greater the promise, the greater the waiting. That first community of disciples had no power. They had little resource, but they were waiting on a promise. And one day God fulfilled the promise. Abraham, Joseph, the people of the Exodus, Moses, Jesus, the early disciples, disciples through Christian and history, you and I, we must learn to wait, but we must wait eagerly, expecting for God to break through and the moment of breakthrough 
will come because the moment of breakthrough always comes. There will be an empowerment which enables us to join in the works of the kingdom. There will be a moment again when dry bones live. We will see a movement of salvation when your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. On Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There will be a movement and a moment of salvation because consecration always precedes consummation. Divine preparation always precedes divine power. And holy waiting always precedes a holy wave. Will you be ready? Are you available? Get ready. Come to the water. Get out on the ocean once more. Grab your board. Come on in. Pray in expectation and prepare to go out into all the world. Prepare to have your mouth filled with praise, your body and your life filled with power. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did both individually and in our lives together so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening. Thank you.